As of this recording, the Sunday games are in the books. Week one is finished. And Joe and I are here to go through our studs and duds for week one. Hut, hut, hike! Throughout the season, we're going to be doing studs and duds. When we talk about studs, this is a player who did really, really well. And we believe that uh, it's a sign of, of things to come. And we're believing in their production moving forward. Whereas if they were a dud, the panic meter is starting to rise. We're getting worried about this player, and they did not do very well. So, Joe, let's start with the studs. Who do you got as your number one stud of the week? Yeah, my number one stud of the week is going to be quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. Um, you know, he was 28 of 45 for 466 yards, three TDs. Did throw one pick, but he had a passer rating of 110 and an 87.8 overall QBR. You know, against the Chargers in this game, I felt like Tua really showed um, if he's able to stay healthy. You know, he showed off that top 10 quarterback upside he does have. You know, uh, in 2022, his 8.9 yards per attempt led the league. He trailed only Mahomes and Allen in total QBR and was seventh in fantasy points per game during the 12 weeks he played last year. And in the weeks he played more than half of the snaps in games last year. So, you know, he was a guy, you know, I was intrigued by, you know, really the only question mark was the health and, you know, him and Tyreek Hill just put it on an absolute show down there in Los Angeles today. Yeah. You know, I think we saw how dominant Tua was last year, took a real big jump this past season, his connection with Tyreek Hill. uh, I mean, Tyreek Hill is just such a weapon. Uh, so I, I'm with you. I think uh, Tua, you know, I, I, I liked him. Uh, question was, would he be able to stay healthy? That's the biggest question with him. But so far as he can, you're looking at a top 10 quarterback, like you said, I think, with the rest of the way. And I think the Chargers defense, they're not great, but they can be, I think, a little stingy. Um, didn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a defense that had J.C. Jackson, a guy they missed all last year. They've got Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack as edge rushers, and they didn't get one sack on Tua in this game so that was definitely something to you know monitor and take note as you know everyone was kind of trying to see if Tua how he navigates taking hits or if the concussions are going to rise but hey so far through one game they kept him clean and you gotta remember no no Devin A chain and no Jeff Wilson either so didn't really have a lot of help in the rushing game didn't matter Um, you know that offense was able to hum even without him yeah absolutely I mean Really just needed the lethal combination of him and Tyree Kill today. So my first stud uh, for week one was wide receiver Brandon Ayuk. Since Brock Purdy was a starter in 2022, he's had 59 targets compared to Debo Samuel's 34 targets. And as of uh, this Sunday, he had eight targets, eight catches for 129 yards and two touchdowns. He was absolutely torching that Pittsburgh Steelers secondary uh, Brandon Ayuk is in a contract year, and I think, Joe, my opinion on this, I thought Ayuk could do well because we knew that, you know, Brock Purdy and him had a great rapport. Um, Brock Purdy, you know, played well. You've been telling me I shouldn't worry about his UCL. His elbow looked just fine. <laughs> um, but what I'll say is, though, I think this was the watershed moment for me that said, or I should say it was confirmation for me that Brandon Ayuk is wide receiver one in San Francisco. Uh, you know, Debo Samuel, uh, he will be involved. He'll have his good games. 
Uh, but Brandon Ayuk is the, is the receiving entity you want uh, on that team. Um, I think he is going to ball out so he can cash out. Uh, and if you got him in your drafts, well done, because I think he's going to be, he should be in your lineups probably, you know, every week on end, unless he has a really bad corner matchup. Um, but even then, I think yeah, he's going to do very well the rest of the season. Yeah, after watching today, you know, he, like you said, he absolutely balled out today. Um, you know, I, I just, he's a guy I regret not targeting more in fantasy drafts and wish I had him in, in more leagues, honestly. I think, uh, you know, partially just kind of was kind of scared off about the whole Debo thing and possibly his resurgence as he put more effort into his workouts and, you know, really wanted, was determined to better his season from last year. But like you said, I mean, going back to when Brock Purdy kind of, took over last year. Brandon Ayuk has been his number one target and that continued this year. Yeah. And I, I don't see why it's going to stop. And so I, I'm with you. I wish, I mean, we, you and I had our thoughts that it could be the case. It's just one of those things where it's like, it's a nice feeling to say, ah, yeah, we were right about that, but uh, we didn't end up getting him. I don't have him anywhere. Um, so I think he's going to be a great asset for you. If you have him on your team, uh, I think he will continue to produce for you. I mean, sure, Kittle's going to do well. Debo's going to have his weeks. My only one thing is the Steelers' secondary is really bad. Uh, so, you know, I still think Ayuk will be good. He might not be this good every week, um, but he's going to be that number one receiving entity, I think, with the Niners. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, all these guys are going to, I feel like, take their turns on each one having their week as a lot of these guys are, you know, the the ceiling plays of this 49ers offense, but just seeing how often, you know, Ayuk seemed to be Purdy's first read. And that's, and like you said, he seems to be that wide receiver one on the team and that's encouraging. So my next stud of the weekend here, and it pains me to say this, but it was wide receiver Jacoby Myers. He was targeted 10 times at nine receptions for 81 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and he also received one more target than Devonte Adams, who was, uh, had six receptions on nine targets for 66 yards. You know, I, I definitely had my concerns about Jacoby Myers coming over from the Patriots over to this Vegas Raiders team, you know, with Jimmy G at quarterback, just wasn't sure, you know, what the passing volume was going to be like or how many targets Jacoby Myers would even get um, within this offense, you know, with Devontae Adams and then even the likes of uh, the two tight ends they have in the team with Mayer and Hooper, but those guys are really a non-factor and it seemed like Jacoby Myers was really the true target of this team and him and Jimmy G kind of really showed their knowledge of the system that McDaniels had from their time that they were able to spend, you know, in New England. So I feel like a lot of those concerns were alleviated in this game and, you know, Jacoby Myers is somebody I'll be monitoring from here on out. Yeah, I'm with you. I didn't think Myers would have this strong of a performance. If you remember in his early years with the Patriots, he struggled to get in the end zone. He got in there twice on week one. Uh, so, I mean, that's a really good sign for him. I had my doubts about Jimmy G. And, uh, you know, he, he he played pretty well. He was able to stay in the pocket, able to, you know, kind of maneuver the pocket enough uh, to be able to, you know, find the window to get into it, his receiver. I didn't think Devontae Adams was going to get as much volume. And I think that's probably true, but I just wasn't expecting Myers to really take that step. The other, the other thing I was surprised about was, and I didn't know if he would have a huge role in the offense, um, but Hunter Renfro, no targets, no receptions at all. Thought he'd be more involved. 
uh, in their game plan. You know, you've just seen Patriots, you know, we've got Wes Balker, Julian Edelman, you know, you've got these type of like slot shifty receivers, you know, that, uh, you know, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels have, you know, been accustomed to using for the longest time. So I thought he'd be more used, really wasn't. Uh, I think he'll be used. I mean, it's, that's, he's not going to get zero the rest of the way. Um, but uh, that that was a little surprising here with week one. Yeah, that was a surprise for me. And just the fact that the ball really wasn't spread around that much. I mean, really, it was just Myers and Adams getting the targets in this game. Uh, some other guys got a you know a few targets here and there, but for the you know majority of it, now uh, you know there wasn't many passing attempts out of this offense. It was you know just a pretty efficient on both sides here and. Uh, the efficiency of the offense really limited the amount of touches they got. But, you know, for Myers, he didn't get a single – he didn't have a single multi-touchdown game last year with the Patriots and already week one here with the Raiders, he's got two. So we'll, we'll see how this uh, goes, you know, in the following weeks here. Yeah, definitely a guy I think for those of you who are going to be watching and thinking about waiver wire pickups – um, I think he's a guy to definitely consider to put on your bench because more than likely I think he wasn't drafted in your league. Most of the drafts I did didn't draft him. So more than likely he's probably going to be available. Yeah, I guess I would just monitor. Uh, he I, he could go into the concussion protocol, so that is something to monitor if you're looking to pick him up. But it, as long as uh, he clears that, yeah, I'd be I'd be definitely be uh, possibly interested in taking a shot on him. So my second stud uh, for week one was wide receiver Calvin Ridley. Uh, there was so much question in a way with him, you know, being suspended for an entire year, you know, now coming into a new offense with Jacksonville, how was he going to acclimate? Was he going to get right back up to game speed? And boy, he, he didn't miss a beat from where he left off. And honestly, even if you remember in Atlanta, that, that one year where he, uh, stepped away he, even then he wasn't really himself I really felt like he was himself today uh, you know he had uh, 11 targets eight catches 101 receiving yards and one touchdown and the thing I really was concerned about him as far as his usage and volume was Christian Kirk had a resurgent year last year really of a breakout he did really really well and I just didn't know you know how involved was Kirk going to be and could they really share the load or was really going to win it out well Christian Kirk had three targets, one catch for nine receiving yards. So Calvin Ridley instantaneously became that number one guy uh, for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and so in his first game in Jacksonville, it was the ninth most targets that Ridley has ever received in his entire career. So that's a pretty good start if you think about it. Uh, so I knew a lot of weapons in Jacksonville. Um, so I, I kind of curious about where things will go in the future, but I might my gut tells me, um, but I think he's in for a breakout. I think uh, he could even have a career year, might have his best year ever. I mean, you could argue that Trevor Lawrence might even be a better quarterback than Matt Ryan was uh, when he had Matt Ryan. He had to share the load with uh, Julio Jones. He's really that number one guy there for Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this really came at it, uh, no surprise to me. You know, uh, if you watch the start sit, you know, I had this as the stack of the week here with the, the matchup they had in the Colts. And, um, you know, really just was trusting what I saw in preseason and how the trust factor that Lawrence had with Ridley and just how he already had that rapport with him, you know, so quickly uh, in the preseason. It's really just carried into the regular season. So, you know, I don't I don't really expect much to change. Let's not talk about my stack of the week. We're just going to pass brush right past that. <laughs> well, I guess, well, 
I, I mean, the, the true stack of the week is definitely uh, Tua and Tyree Kill this week. But I think in second, you know, it's probably Lawrence and Ridley. That connection was, you know, pretty electric. Absolutely. So are you enjoying this video so far? Well, if you are, show your support to our new channel by hitting the subscribe button and liking this video. We'll be creating videos all NFL season long, so you're not going to want to miss what we have in store. So, Joe, what do you got for the duds? We started about our studs. These are duds that we're kind of panicking on. Didn't do very well. What do we do with these guys? Yeah, my my first stud, you know, I, I was really surprised with, and that's tight end Dallas Goddard. And, you know, if you guys uh, had him out there and had him in your lineup, I, I know you're, you were surprised and uh, definitely disappointed. You know, he ended up with no catches and no yards and only had one target. And, you know, the thing that concerns me a bit here is it's not like the Eagles just sat on the ball because they got up big in this game. Like, Hurts threw the ball 33 times, and then Goddard only had one target out of those 33 attempts. So, uh, you know, la- you know, looking at last year, Goddard, on his fewest amount of targets that he received last year was three in, in a single game. So that's what concerns me a little bit. You know, I was expecting him to be – more involved in this offense and thought his involvement was even possibly going to take away from Devonta Smith. But, you know, Devonta Smith still had a good game this, this week against the Patriots. Um, you know, hopefully this isn't, uh, hopefully, you know, Goddard can rebound in the weeks to come here, but definitely concerning for week one. Yeah, no, I agree. And the thing with this constraint, I mean, the whole tight end group, honestly, is just, bananas right now yeah. Kelsey injured Andrew's injured you know Goddard not showing up you know like Hawkinson didn't really have that good of a day I mean all, all the tight ends from what I can you know remember for the day they didn't really impress um, but when it comes to Goddard he's so reliant on that yards after catch you know he's so good at it but if he doesn't get the you know like I just it makes me kind of concerned because it can, can can he continue to do it he just didn't get the volume and, and with the really with the Patriots linebacker group that's pretty suspect um so i would have thought that they could have really taken advantage of the seam and they didn't so goddard's not a guy i targeted um very much just because based on the price point i just he just was in that mix that for me i just i wasn't interested in him um i think this is more of an anomaly i think he'll be more involved uh, you know, because I do think you have to take this with a grain of salt sometimes. You know, you got like, whoa, what about Joe Burrow? Well, but Joe Burrow had a horrible week one against the Steelers last year and then just torched the rest of the year. So it's like, I think there's some duds that we have to take into account that it's like, okay, this is a red flag. Like Najee last year, that was a red flag, you know, but there are other ones that it's like, okay, it's just a blip on the radar and then we move forward. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this this definitely could be the case. Uh, but just just you know, like you said, we're 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 people were taking him. Um, you know, most people consider him a top five ten in, and for him just to get you know get you a goose egg and only have the one target, you know, yeah. it, you know, you don't. Chigakonko also was kind of in the same boat there, but you know, he's a late tight end target. But when you got to take a guy in the top five, you know, you're at least expecting something out of him and not a goose egg. Maybe Dalton Kincaid will be a top tight end, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, man? We'll, we'll see tomorrow night. Yeah. So uh, as for uh, my my dud, number one here is running back Cam Akers. Uh, this is a guy I had my doubts and concerns from the beginning. 
uh, entering into the season. Uh, he's a running back who had to recover from an Achilles injury. We were just talking about it, Joe. Achilles injuries are just brutal for running backs. He had 22 carries for 29 yards. One rushing touchdown was no targets. I mean, that's extremely inefficient. I thought that Zach Evans was going to be the guy who eventually was going to take over that role, but he's still recovering himself. But then Cameron Williams showed up, I mean, and he had a really good day, 15 attempts, 52 yards, uh, two touchdowns, had two targets. Uh, this is a bad sign for Cam Akers, a guy who has had a short leash before, went into the doghouse <laughs> to eventually come back. Kyron Williams was dealing with an injury last year. Uh, he's a guy for me. He's a, he's a, I would be picking him up in my, in, if he's out there for waivers, uh, because I don't like, I don't like Cam Akers moving forward. Don't think I could trust him. Uh, so whether it's Kyron Williams, whether it's Zach Evans, I don't see him holding this role. Yeah. You know, you definitely were lower on Cam Akers than me. You know, I just, uh, I, I guess I had a little hope, but that, you know, like you said, his lack of efficiency is definitely concerning. And, you know, Kyron Williams is a guy that the Rams really liked. Um, and if it wasn't for the injury last year, we would have saw, seen him be far more involved than he was in that offense. Um, so, you know, once Cam Akers got healthy that towards the end of the year, I mean, that's when he really took off. And I think what got fantasy owners hopeful for this year, but if he's going to be this inefficient, I mean, it wasn't like he didn't get the touches. He just did absolutely no. nothing with them. And, you know, luckily for fantasy owners, he fell into the end zone, but um you know, Kyron Williams showed the flashes and was far more the efficient player. So we'll see how the touches work out there. Well, and he's a better receiving threat than Cam Akers anyways. So um, that's not going to help me. I don't know about pass protection that, that I don't know off the top of my head. I, I, I feel like Akers might be better, but I really don't know. Yeah. I mean, just looking at their player profile, I would assume that Akers is a little better because he's a little thicker than Kyron Williams. My thoughts too. Yeah. I, I don't really have any idea either. All right. So my second dud is quarterback Daniel Jones. You know, this is a, it's a guy, I, you know, I thought might take into what he did last year and be able to carry it over this year and, you know, build upon it second year with Dable. It's expecting good things, but tonight he was 15 to 28 for 104 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, had a passer rating of 32.4, got sacked seven times. He did run the ball for 13 13 times for 43 yards. Uh, but he was just absolutely running for his life in this game, honestly. Um, you know, I, I thought that everything I was hearing, I thought that the Giants had improved their offensive line. I guess maybe they did, and just the Cowboys' front is is that dominant. But, you know, the concerning part for me was it just really didn't seem like the Giants had any sort of identity. You know, they weren't really sticking with the run with Saquon Barkley. They, they, were, they were throwing a lot. Um, so I, I mean, I, I'm definitely watching this situation with the giants and seeing if they establish some sort of identity moving forward. Yeah. I have no idea what happened here. I mean, this was an absolute massacre. I, I just like, I mean, they just, I mean, the, I don't, I don't know what to think. I think this is a blip. I mean, that, that's, that's my, my feeling of it. I mean, it's just one of those days that Cowboys just absolutely destroyed them and giants had no answer. I mean, they have good tackles. Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal are regarded as some, I, I believe from my understanding is one of the better tackles in the league. So it's like they got Barkley. I mean, they've got Waller. I mean, they've got pieces. I, I just, this is a mystifying one to me because I don't think the Cowboys are that dominant. So I don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, maybe they are. I mean, it's a Dan Quinn 
second year with that defense. He's been known to be a very good defensive coordinator. He wanted, he chose to stay, had some head coaching interviews, elected to stay with the Cowboys. So maybe, uh, you know, it's just better. But I, I just felt like they, the Cowboys offense really was even forced to have to do anything. Uh, you know, they weren't even put in a position where they could have fumbled it out, if you will. You know, it just, it just, it's, the defense is dominated. Yeah, no, I know, and I know things got off to a bad start. I mean, the Giants had a good first drive, got down there, you know, blocked field goal, turns into a touchdown the other way, and I know that kind of throws your game plan out the window. I guess just the just the response, it just seemed like they panicked and didn't just stick to their game plan and completely stopped using Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, that that's what makes me nervous. I just didn't see the identity of the team, and like you said, it, you know, their, their tackles are supposed to be good. Thought the offensive line was going to be there for, for Daniel Jones, but, you know, just wasn't there tonight. Well, one thing you do have to consider, and I think this is where maybe I'm with you, is Daniel Jones has been playing in the league for a while now, but this is his first time with Dayball. Now teams have tape on him. Same thing with Geno Smith. Was very surprised by what happened with the Rams. Now they got tape on him. You know, Purdy not as much. Purdy did great. So, but it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, maybe defenses are starting to cue in on what their tendencies are and they're taking advantage. Yeah, it definitely could be that. I mean, to your point about Purdy, I just think that they just have so many playmakers and their run game so explosive and Kyle Shannon just knows how to game plan. And, they, you know, they just have a great offensive line too. And, you know, everything plays off of the run and, you know, it looks run. And then next thing you know, they're, they're passing a quick slant to Brandon Ayuk and he's gone, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe that is the case. I just thought figured second year with Dayball was expecting a decent jump for Daniel Jones and, you know, it could be, who knows, this could just be the Joe Burrow week one game of last year. But, uh, you know, just definitely was concerning to see just how, how they just got dominated. I was expecting a competitive game and actually like the Giants in this game tonight and then anything, but. No doubt. No, no, I, I agree. It, it definitely was concerning. And if nothing else, it's something to monitor. You can't just completely overlook this and throw this out. You know, he's not at the level of Joe Burrow, you know, where we've seen him do it before. It's like, okay, we'll overlook this. You know, this is something you have to monitor, and this is a concern. And I think the other thing is, too, is, you know, with Joe Burrow, you know, he's got the weapons, too. And that's really the thing with this Giants offense is, you know, they did bring over Waller, but it's like they don't have an established wide receiver one, um, you know, and that and that's the thing. And Waller was potentially going to be that one. So that that it, that's also concerning. All right, so close it out. My second dud here is wide receiver Drake London. Now, this is a guy I've been down on for quite some time. You, I think you're kind of with me on this one, but he had a flat donut. He had zero, zero receptions, zero yards on one target. Ritter threw the ball, Desmond Ritter, for 18 passing attempts compared to 26 rushing attempts. Now, this game was an ugly game. It's not like they had, you know, really, they even had to force the offense to really do anything. Uh, but, you know, the game script, it just didn't require it for them. They just were able to win a football game. <laughs> and if there's any coach that just is ready to win a football game, it's Arthur Smith. I, I just think we have to realize that it, I, I, maybe this is dark for me, but until Arthur Smith is no longer the coach, I just think you have to realize that, 
you, it's not going to happen. It's just I've accepted it. It's not going to happen. That's with with Pitts and and um, London. They just it's not a passing volume offense. They're not going to be doing a ton of attempts. Maybe if they're behind, maybe they will. But you know, he's a guy that's going to be frustrating for a lot of folks because they like the potential in him. He's this big, athletic, tall guy who can make these contested catches, but he's not a big separator. I just until their the offense philosophy and style changes for that team, I, I just can't see why I would want to start them. I just think that um, you know Panthers defense is good, not great. Uh, maybe you talk me off the ledge here, Joe. I'm not as worried about Bijan. I think the I think kind of similar to Gibbs, they'll ease him in, and even with the touches he had, he was still good. This is a run team first, but London, man, I. That was I was not expecting that lack of volume, and, and that's concerning to me. Yeah, definitely concerning, especially the you know the one the one target. You know, like you said, Ritter did throw it the ball eighteen times, and it's like, well, if it's not thrown to Drake London and Kyle Pitts, who the heck is he throwing the ball to? Um, you know, I do think you know I don't think much is going to change. This is Arthur Smith's game plan. They they ran the ball a ton last year, um, and and as long as they win games. He doesn't care how they win them, you know, and he doesn't care about our fantasy teams, doesn't care about your fantasy lineup, could, could care less how many times Pitts or London touch the ball. All he cares about is winning. And if they continue to win this way, you know, I don't see much changing. Um, you know, yeah, I, I like you, I wasn't that high in London. I wasn't really targeting him anywhere. I don't have him in any leagues, um, him or Pitts for that matter, just for, just for those kind of reasons. But I did think that, you know, even without the passing volume, you know, last year, even with it light, we did see Marcus Mariota still be like a top 12 quarterback in fantasy, you know, for the early part of the season. So I thought that Ritter could be relevant. And if he was, you know, maybe there was a chance for Drake London. Um, but, you know, if this, uh, like you said, unless they get down and are forced to pass, this is going to, this is going to be their positive game script. And, you know, this could be a chance that you take with Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you're going to need a Aaron Rodgers coming to New York to propel a like of Garrett Wilson to move him forward. But even even that, I mean, Dave, Drake London hasn't even shown that much as much promise. I mean, it just I just don't see the ceiling there. I don't see him ever getting. I don't see him getting over ten targets consistently. I don't see him consistently getting multi touchdown games, and I don't even know how much long he's how much he's going to get a hundred yard receiving for a game because. There's no volume there. So how could you possibly want to start him? I just it just seems like a nightmare in and out. So for me, I'm I I was already out on him. I'm completely faded on him. I don't have my money my team, so I don't have to worry about it. But if I'm other owners, uh, I'd be panicked. And if there maybe there's somebody out there that uh still likes Drake London or thinks he could be good. Uh, and if it is, I I, I think I, I try to get rid of him as fast as I could. Yeah, I mean I think if you you know, if you do believe in Drake London, I think you could just, you know, I'd bench him at this point and just do the wait and see approach, see if anything does change or, you know, maybe there's a light bulb. I mean, like you said, this was just a pretty messy game, but honestly, that's what the Falcons do. That's what they did last year. They just muddy these games up, keep their run game going. They're a pretty physical team on offense and defense and, and win, win, win these close games. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could try to trade them, honestly, like, there could be some intriguing options, even on the waiver wire. I mean, uh, you look at a guy like Puka Nakua today. I mean, he just was hyper-targeted in that Rams offense. 
nobody really knows how long it's going to take for Cooper Cup to return from that hamstring. You know, he is 30, um, could could take a little longer. So, I, I don't know. You definitely could move off him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things people might think we're nuts on this one, but it's just one of those things where it's like there's some unknown there. We could be wrong. He could bounce back. He could continue to do well. But I don't think he will. So you still have that window of like, eh, but if you wait till week four, week five, and he still hasn't done anything, he's getting dropped. Nobody's going to want him. <laughs> you know, or you could try to trade him. You're not going to get a lot for him, at least in redraft. It's nice. I think it's a completely different story. But I think it's just one of those things where it's like, you could hold on him. I agree. You could bench him. I just, um, I just don't see it for him. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't really see it either unless unless they get down and behind and, you know, they're forced to pass. Um, but even then, I mean, we haven't really seen, like, how good of a passer, and we don't really know how good of a passer Desmond really Ritter really is either. So even if the passing volume does increase, you know, does that, does that even mean, like, how good are the quality of targets, and does it really mean, you know, more touches for these guys? So that does it for Joe and I's studs and duds for week one. We'll be doing studs and duds every Monday for the rest of the season, so you're not going to want to miss out on that. Thank you so much for watching, and until next time.